based on what they see. So you have to be careful. I mean, even our cars, too. Everything. Everything about us is, uh, has to be clean and nice. And as Prabhupada said, even if it's just clean, people will appreciate it. Of course, cleanliness is part of neatness and, and uh, all of that, too. Um, anyway, it's getting late. Maybe somebody else would like to make some comments about about uh, mildness and cleanliness. I'm sure you've all had some experiences and uh, some realizations about these things. Yoradatta? I was thinking as you were speaking about uh, mildness, how devotees, especially as Westerners, we've had some, you know, 40 odd years of bad training with them. We become a devotee and we, uh, we live in a, in a relatively austere way compared to our previous lifestyle. And so <clears throat> it's difficult for us. And there may be unrequited passions. And we struggle with that. And that seems to come out perhaps maybe in aggressive behavior, like mm. the devotees especially. Or maybe even aggressive behavior when we go out and preach on Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things that we noticed about Prabhupada is, and we can recount from his life, that he was given his instructions a uh, long time ago when he first met Srila Bhakti Saraswati. Then he gave, he gave him further instructions about specifically, first he said you should preach the Bhagavatam all over the world, then he said you should, you should, you'll be a very good English preacher, another instruction. And somebody asked Prabhupada why you got these instructions initially back in 1922, 1933, why, why didn't you come to the West? before 1960, when you came, 1965. So I said, it was a big, big assignment. I had to prepare. So we can understand that he, he was preparing while he was writing the Bhagavatams, while he was going on the Parikrams, while he was gazing out at the Samadhi Bhagavatam. He was preparing, he was planning everything. How Brahminical can you get? I mean, Brahma was a perfect Brahmin. He, he actually had a whole scheme planned. He had a vision of what was going to happen. Books were going to be published, temples were going to be created, devotees were going to be made all over the world. He had that vision. So everything Prabhupada did was based on a plan. It was based on a long, carefully thought out plan. And when we take a little time as devotees to plan what we're going to do, we see that we don't, we're not so passionate. And if we do, you know, run up against opposition and we deal with it, it's not, you know, based on knee-jerk reactions. It's based on a plan. It's already there. We, we, we plan how we're going to respond to people. Real, really good preachers, they, they prepare themselves for the worst. Just like when we go on TV, we have someone drill us beforehand for hours. What all the hard, mean, nasty questions that we know the interviewer is going to ask. To be a good book distributor, we have to, we have to practice, you know, dealing with people who, who are going to spit and hate and say bad words. Sometimes they buy books. Sometimes they become devotees. Maybe they'll be spiritual masters. Who knows? So we sometimes imitate. We saw Prabhupada very, with a scholar. He was very forceful, very forthright. Called him a demon. And we think, yeah, we can call people demons. We can be very forceful. We can be very, like you say, aggressive. And we tend to imitate rather than understand how much Krishna consciousness was behind this very infrequent so-called anger that seemed to manifest with Prabhupada and the scholars. <clears throat> of course, scholars are, are open to and appreciate debate when it's done in a scholarly way, and they, they don't necessarily see it as anger or aggression. But Prabhupada was aggressive, but it wasn't 
you know, aggressive, he said, in fact, once, I think he even went so far as to say, our movement is based on aggression, but not the kind of aggression we see in, in the former Yugoslavia or, you know, among the terrorist groups in, in this country and other places. No, it's based on, on spreading Krishna consciousness. Just like we could say Lord Chaitanya, he was very aggressive by casting the, the seeds of bhakti out over the garden. He didn't, he didn't just expect them to plant themselves. But that's the kind of, of um, aggression Prabhupada. It was a very gentle, mild diffusion of Krishna consciousness, like, like flood, you can, you know, flooding the world with bhakti, love of God. So I think you're right. We tend to, because of our backgrounds, we tend to err on that side and thinking that, that by the forcefulness of Krishna consciousness should be manifested in sort of, you know, kind of twisting people's arm or forcing. But as Prabhupada said, Krishna consciousness can never be forced any more than you can enforce a plant to grow. You, you just have to do whatever it takes to make it grow and it will come organically in its own time. And there's one. Perform the ritual. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, let's say you go, you just sometimes you go into an Iskand bathroom, and the woman's very proud because unlike the karmis who are filthy and clean themselves with toilet paper, and we use water, and this is pure. But the whole bathroom itself is so disgustingly dirty, you're afraid to touch anything like it is disease. Mm. But we're thinking it's pure because we have the sand. So can you comment on that? Because sometimes we think we're very, very clean, and the rest of the world isn't. But other people may look at us and think we're not at all clean. They should put big signs up everywhere, avoid ritual purity. <laughs> um, cars are another uh, thing. <clears throat> I travel a lot, so often I you know, have the occasion to ride in different automobiles or vehicles, trucks, and so on. And it's really not infrequent that uh, I would say probably half of them are uh, disgustingly dirty, <laughs> you know, if we're going to be very frank. Some of them have little things growing in them, uh, <laughs> little plants um, full of dust. And, and you know, sometimes the devotee will say, oh, Marjan, I'm sorry, I'll get this out. You know, just you're getting in from the airport or something like that. So it's not like, uh, you know, an occasional uh, aberrant thing. It seems to be you know, somewhat of a general phenomenon. <clears throat> um, and just makes you wonder, well, what if, you know, what if he drove someone or, you know, and then what about the other way? What do they think? You know, they're getting in this car. This is, this is the standard. We get in a car that's a complete wreck. It's dust all over it. The, 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 the dashboard is torn. I mean, it's just not clean. Okay, maybe a torn dashboard. Maybe it got old or something. But, uh, you know, there's, there's all kinds of dirt and grime all over the car. Um, and uh, I remember driving Prabhupada around in a car. And, you know, we were very careful. That car was washed. It was clean inside. So part of the way I think that this ritual purity concept can be dealt with is to try to meditate. Yeah, we sing every day, or we, we stand in the Gayatri Mantra every day, that we, we're supposed to meditate on the spiritual master. Um, 
and being enthused as he enthused us. So part of that meditation is to think, well, he's watching me now. He's here. Or we can meditate on Krishna saying, he's watching everything I do. So what if Prabhupada were here next to me after I ate prasadam and I just cleaned a little bit and I walked off? Or what if Prabhupada were sitting in this car? Or, uh, <clears throat> you know, what if Prabhupada saw it, came into this bathroom? What if Prabhupada came into this room? What if Prabhupada came into this place? What would he think? And then I think we can help us understand that we shouldn't just do the minimum when it comes to cleanliness. Uh, I remember I was in New York once in Henry Street in the old days, and Jad White and I stayed in the same room for a little while. I was traveling somewhere. And we'd get, get up in the morning, go to the morning program, and then I noticed that he did something that never occurred to me. He, he took a wet rag and wiped down the entire room from top to bottom. Every inch of that room was, was wiped clean. It was a floor like this. And I, I really thought, wow, yeah, this is, this is what you're supposed to do. You're a problem. You're living in a room. You're supposed to wipe it down every day. And I just, you know, it was another dimension. Of, it wasn't the ritual clean, just to be clean, but it was real, it was cleanliness, real cleanliness. And I started to get, to get an idea about that. Um, and this thing about the kitchen. That Prabhupada, I was with him when he was teaching devotees how to cook, and he said, the standard is, that you, you use the pot, as soon as it comes off and the prasadam is taken out, you clean it. So you always clean as you go. And that's the standard I know Jamuna follows too. The kitchen is, he said, this is Krishna's room, should always be immaculate, sparkling, clean. So this is, you know, more than ritual purity. There, I, there's probably other examples of ritual purity I can't think of. You're supposed to take a bath once or twice or three times a day, but some, some people don't, you know, take maybe a very good bath. They just sort of, you know, in and out. I found that many times smile cleanups are very, very helpful. Yeah. I remember one temple I went to in Canada and I went under the altar and it was just so disgusting and probably like there was such problem for five or ten years and you know at the end it was actually very profitable for the temple because I found over two hundred Canadian quarters under the altars, you know, and the mouse traps and so I just experienced many times if we have, you know, regular amount cleanup like once a month or something. And then a lot of things are probably mm. not about windows and candles yeah. and candles and so on. Yeah. It's very nice. It's like the cleaning of the Gundicha temple. Everybody yeah. sees the, the degree. Yeah, yeah, we, used to, we used to have it in the, in the, in the, in the LA days. Then like we used to pass and then we have the mouth. Mm. Actually, actually, we used to work with it. Yeah, very good. Mantra, mantra. And Janava also? Yeah. So we can we can remember the the uh, very pure and pristine qualities of the Sita in thinking about mildliness, mildness and cleanliness. Yeah. Just one side question I know we're talking about these qualities and these questions. We're always very we always talk about the four regular principles and we're very fixed in the essential facts of our practice. But sometimes we seem to forget the do nots are there. To support the problem described as the four pillars of religiosity. And we talk about no illicit sex, and then we sometimes we forget this is to maintain cleanliness. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the different the different things we're supposed to not do, and how often we really stop and ask 
I took vows to do or to avoid or to uphold being truthful. Mm-hmm. So how truthful am I today? Have I worked on my cleanliness today? Have I worked on my austerity and my mercifulness? And it doesn't seem, you don't really, you know, we don't hear classes all the time that tell us about mercifulness. And we talk in terms of overall preaching and things like that, of course, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem to really put the stress on those that maybe we should. Yeah, so there was a, that statement by Indamadar Pandit when he was criticizing Lord Chaitanya for visiting the young boy whose mother was very beautiful. He said, what people think of you, or uh, what kind of a sannyasi are you? He said, people will stay. So sometimes the notion comes that we are doing everything in a kind of ritualistic, mindless, niyamagraha manner, like you were saying yesterday in your class. Uh, just becoming attached to the ritual, but not understanding the meaning behind it not knowing why I'm doing it. And then, or even reciting prayers can all, uh, sometimes be like that. We're saying it, we're hearing it, but we're not actually meditating on the meaning. Or we might chant the morning prayers. We might chant Guru Vastakam or Sri Guru Vandanam in the morning and never think for a moment what we're actually saying. So, so much of Krishna consciousness is, is ritual in the sense that there's so many little things that we, we have to do according to Vaishnava etiquette. And very often we're, we're not conscious of the meaning of those things, or we're not asking ourselves why we're doing it, and is, it, is, it, uh, is there a purpose behind doing the things? And if there is a purpose, what is that purpose? So in a way, this is understanding the inner meaning of philosophy and practice. Now why, I just keep asking myself, well, I'm doing this for a reason, why am I doing it? And is it, is it if, I'm, if I'm being, uh, if I'm avoiding illicit sex in order to be clean, and what does this cleanliness mean? And why should I be clean? And how clean should I be? And should I increase it? In other words, one takes the instruction of the Shastra and the Guru and the Sadhu, and instead of just repeating it blindly or mindlessly, he tries to understand it. And as Prabhupada gave the example, the son takes the father's business. And when he does, the father's very happy. Oh, he's continuing the business. But if he expands the business, makes it greater, then the father's even more pleased. So Prabhupada was given a very kernel instruction, very simple, spread Krishna consciousness among the English, in English language. So he didn't just sit in a, in a room and translate. He personally went to the most horrible city in the world and just personally distributed those books and translated them in that place because he knew if that's what my guru wants me to do, the loyal son is going to take that, take that instruction and please the spiritual master. It's like you were saying yesterday, we want to please someone. So the, the whole purpose of these rituals is we want to please Krishna. And how can we please Krishna the most? By doing more, by, by taxing our brain to think, how can I best carry out these instructions? Not how just can I carry them out, but how can I carry them out in a way that he'll be most pleased? Not just pleased, but most pleased. Not just doing, the, doing what's good, but doing what's the very best. That's the devotee's attitude. He wants to if he really wants to please his spiritual master, Krishna, the Vaishnavas, then he thinks, how, how can I go the extra distance, make a difference, and really get him to smile? One, one devotee told me it was very hard to get Prabhupada to smile. At least uh, the leaders, they would go to Prabhupada, we did this, we did that, and he, very good, very good. But to actually get him to smile, to, to make him light up, not so easy for the leaders, because he was pushing them, he was showing them that he wasn't going to be easily pleased, that he, that he wasn't going to just let them sit on their laurels and do, do things. He was going to try to get them to, to go the extra distance, to please him. I think sometimes we lose sight of the fact of why the body's going to take 
the ritual deeply, because Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita that four types of people come to him. So we have to keep that in mind always. And some people came out of curiosity, some people came because they were in distress, you know, some people came because they wanted money, and only very few come out of real knowledge. So we have to allow the transformation to happen. And it's not that you can legislate. Purity cannot be legislated. It has to really be desired. So we say purity is a force, but that, that purity cannot be legislated. You can legislate principles, general principles, but you cannot legislate purity. You can't say you must follow these principles with a pure intention. You can't legislate that. That intention comes over time. So <clears throat> we see that in Prabhupada's way of inspiring the to do the right thing. For instance, there was an incident. It's either in the Lamater or in uh, Satchel Maharaj's little series of red, red, the little red books, uh, that when the body came, when he was still keeping long hair and beard, another body came and was completely shaved up and Prabhupada lit up and said, this is very nice. So then the body with the hair and the beard was saying, does that mean that you don't like my look, Prabhupada? And Prabhupada said, well, I like this better. So he didn't just say, demand it, you know, you cut your hair and cut your beard and get heavy with him. He just said, I like this better. So if you actually have the intention of pleasing the spiritual master, then you will do what he likes better, even though you may be a little attached to what you're still doing. So my point again is that there are very few people that really come out of real knowledge. Most of us came out of curiosity or because we're in distress or, you know, looking for some money or some relief of some kind. And gradually over time, if we stay with it, then we'll get the right intention and do things out of knowledge. So we have to be able to discern where, where, where a person is and not get completely bent out of shape because they came out of curiosity because Krishna loves it, he's lived there. Yeah. Another, that's very good. Another aspect to that is <clears throat> that we steer Prabhupada say that we should be very strict on ourselves and liberal with others. So, in other words, we have to understand where people are coming from and understand we can't force. At the same time, we have to be strict in ourselves as much as there's injunctions that we, I mean, we can legislate to ourselves, in other words. Like, there's a quote that we have to rise from first to second. We have to come from Kanista to at least to Majima. So we have to push ourselves. But in the, in the course of pushing ourselves, we have to understand that we, we can't understand what's in someone else's mind. And if they're, uh, and as you said, they have to be inspired rather than commanded to, uh, to do things. Is that? Yeah, go ahead. I'm just appreciating that you were mentioning about the Gopasta guy. And uh, the thing, like many times, like, you know, they sing Sri Vikraha, the Dhanamichanana. But then, you know, like sometimes when you look around, I may not sing it, but sometimes then you, if you look around in the temple, sometimes it's not so clean. And you just feel like, you know, that's just like what he's saying, it's just like a ritual. And you feel like instead of chanting Sri Vikraha, the Dhanamichanana, you know, you know, probably, you know, we should concentrate on cleaning. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, it's kind of like Archie was saying, we're all, in one sense, spiritual casualties in a big hospital, and we're all in different levels of cure. Then, when you know, we're trying to in, trying to both administer the medicine and tolerate the slowness or the speed of the cure. Sometimes, <laughs> I think we're going to have to just take one more, and then it's getting late. Uh, all right, two more. Uh, uh, um, talking about uh, malignants, as you mentioned, sometimes like uh, I had to do sometimes the. They say that they want to preach as proper preach, like many times, you know, they probably use the word in the rascals or in the less intelligent. I find that some, sometimes we as preachers, we sometimes we're very quick to say that, oh, this person is a rascal, this person is less intelligent. And straight because we say, well, I have to preach, I have to preach like this strongly to you because that's what we probably preach. 
Whereas the mentality is different. It's like somebody's pushing that way because uh, it's like out of uh, yeah, it's out of some kind of a superiority. They can say you're a rascal, you're less intelligent. Yeah, That's like it's kind of like imitating. Very yeah. proud, I'd say rascal. So then we start calling everybody rascal or somebody a rascal yeah. unnecessarily. Yeah, you had a question. Oh, I thought you had your hand. Okay. Okay, thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai.